When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. Welcome to episode seven of MKT to the Future, a marketing futurism podcast. I'm joined today by Sean Brannigan, director at the Center for Digital Media Entrepreneurship at the SI Newhouse School of Public Communication. I love it all with the SI. Yeah, in all of it. All the alumni. Of it. If you for can't real. tell, I'm an alumni. That's right. <laughs> so, Sean, tell us that's an awesome title. Can you tell the audience what that means? Uh, it means a couple things. So I've been here longer than I've been employed anywhere in my long career because I've gone off and started my own stuff most of the time and little interstitials being employed. But for the last 10 years, I have been lucky enough to be working with really smart students like you and who have come through. We got media craze students from all over the world, um, every state of the union. Uh, come to the Newhouse School because they want to be in media, whether that's news and information or they're in any flavor of that journalism, uh, entertainment of every type, sports, music, television, film, events, and then all of the brand and positioning stuff like PR and marketing. And um, I get to work with those students in a couple of ways. One is courses. I have courses that we teach how to work and think and act like entrepreneurs, whether you become one or whether you, you know, use it as a skill set in the company you're in that you become innovative and entrepreneurial. Uh, and then we do coaching. So we take, you know, there's 2000 students. I get in front of about 350 every year to wave the flag and, you know, scare them with entrepreneurship stuff. About 150 usually step forward and say, hey, I'm interested. And maybe they take a class or maybe they, you know, attend a semester, a, a seminar or something like that. Um, generally, then it melts down to about 40, 30, 40. And of that, at the end of the year, there's usually about 10, 12, sometimes 15 real ventures. And they're off. They've created their own job. Boom. Off they go. Some of them succeed. Some of them fail. It's the nature but I get to coach them and I coach many of them even after they're gone. And the ones, as I was telling you before we got, went live here is the ones that fail, the business failed, the, the people didn't. In many cases, they succeeded in even more fantastical ways. Um, so I get to do courses, coaching. Uh, the other part is connecting and convening. So I bring people here, we go out to things. Like I take a group of students to South by Southwest every year. I've been going since 2005, I think, uh, myself, and now take a group of students. Or we'll go, uh, we have a, a connection with um, a media uh, college in, in Stuttgart, Germany, and we bring a group of students there now every year, which is kind of cool. Um, and then they work with brands like Porsche and Mercedes-Benz, you may have heard of them, uh, because that's home to them. Um, I always said, oh yeah, like Stuttgart is like the Detroit of Germany. And they go, no, um, Detroit is the Stuttgart of America. <laughs> I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> so a little, uh, a little dash. A little bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit. Oh yeah, we did it. And then I do internships, co-op internships, which is prepare students, which is the new stuff that you heard about um, where we prepare students 
for working in the fast-paced now high-tech world of media. And um, we, we prepare them by saying good luck and kicking them into the pool and they learn to swim. So that's kind of what we do. So I... How's that I'm for very, a long, long answer? It's, no, almost, that, it's actually longer than my title. Good God, great. is that so, even possible? It's a tour de force. And so you said it. We talked a little bit before I pressed record, and I'm very eager to talk about the new announcement that came out of Newhouse. But first, you had something interesting to say about what makes a media entrepreneur and the students you deal with unique from all other sorts of entrepreneurs and what it takes to thrive in media. Can you maybe touch on that a little bit? Um, yeah, good, good question. And that's, that was intentional on my part. I've been in the startup space generally. Um, and in the startup space, that could mean starting a lifestyle business. This is the way I look at it. Or a, a small business where you're going to you know, find an find a, a opportunity in a market and grow it. And that could be a store. It could be a but media is a really interesting place for entrepreneuring. I'm gonna use it as a, I'm gonna noun. See that I nouned. But the, uh, so I'm entrepreneuring means going off and starting a media company. I think it's the most accessible type of media, of entrepreneurship. I don't need to go get the big check to go buy the equipment. Um, most of this stuff, because of the last 20 years, it's in your phone or it's on your laptop. The capabilities are insane. My eight-year-old, nine-year-old, nine-year-old granddaughter, she would have slapped me right there. My nine-year-old granddaughter does TikToks. And anybody who's been in, like we have here at Newhouse, in high-end, sophisticated studios and all of the editing equipment, it's inside of that, it's inside of her little in her phone, the, the creative swipes and the change outs and the editing capability. And in fact, what's going on there is high-end AI assisted uh, capabilities is in the phone. And yes, that's in TikTok, but you know, it's available in so many other places. So this is this highly accessible way to get into some sort of element of entrepreneurship. And most of the time people block themselves so I'm going to ask you a question. What's the number one reason people don't start a business? It wins by a long shot. To, I guess, fear, lack of confidence yeah. in yourself. Fear of failing. Yeah. And I talk about one of the, there's five things that entrepreneurs tend to do, and that's part of what the class is about. And uh, this one class that I have. Um, and the second reason the second thing that entrepreneurs do is they don't go, oh my God, I'm going to just take a risk. No, they don't. They, they, they mitigate risk. They take affordable losses. So the thing that stops most people stops them because they let it stop them. I don't want people to think badly of me. Well, will you survive that? Yes. Okay. Then why are you letting that stop you? Like, oh, but I might fail. Okay, and if you failed at this business, are you still alive? Maybe you're gonna take a little bit of a financial hit. Will you survive it? And if the answer is no, then don't do it. But many times the answer is yes, and they still don't do it because they're afraid. Oh, but I'll look dumb or I'll, okay. You also can't succeed unless you take the chance. So you will look boring. 
is the way I look at it. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's what we teach. And and the difference with media entrepreneurs are they are creators. They don't realize they have, I won't say innately, I'm gonna say that they've through their training, their education, their experience, they have learned to be entrepreneurial. They just never been told that's what the skill is. Mm -hmm. They're making a movie. Okay. That means you made something out of nothing. That's what entrepreneurs do. Uh, and then you figured out how to sell it. And then you, does that sound familiar? That's like entrepreneuring. Uh, or I'm a, I'm a writer and oh man, there's the page in front of me. It's empty. Yeah, that's how it starts when you're starting a venture. Nobody's telling you, you need to go build it like this. And so we approach it uh, as this is a creative endeavor. And that's why it fits for me to be doing. And that's why I wanted to do it here at a place where it's creators all around, all kinds of storytellers. So I had a question when I was an undergrad about what it's like to be a student at Newhouse. And I think you oh, said man. that perfectly. I'm a grad too. So I can tell you from awesome. firsthand experience. So yeah. You'll appreciate this. What I told the person after didn't roll off my tongue, but eventually I came to this, that Newhouse students are business students with a serious communications problem. And I think you summed it up, you know, they're creators, but there's, there's that innate drive to do something different and add value where no one else has. Oh my God. The ad, I love you using the ad value word. I always say engineers add features. Yep. Entrepreneurs add value. Exactly. We're the ones who are going, you know what, but if we do it this way you... and we add the story of yep. uh, just the other night I had I give a set of Legos to the students and I set a timer and say, you got to make a boom. And they're all, okay, they, you know, and they're nervous and they're thump. But then you look at some of them and some people are sitting there going, I totally have this. Okay, and that doesn't mean they're good. Just, it's just a vibe, okay? And then I said, all right, now give me the story of the thing you made. Oh my God, it was way somebody built this piece of crap and they got a great story and you're like yeah. i almost want that i want that terrible whatever thing it is so it has we think it's about building the thing and the truth is it's about the meaning we add on top of things and now does that mean it's going to be a successful entity probably not it'd be good if you got the the kid who is really really good and make this amazing thing and then overlay the story, which then talks to its teams. It's not individuals, it's team stuff. And again, that's what we learn here. So. so you've said teams, you've said, you talked about how there's a big mental barrier to media entrepreneurs. To every entrepreneur. Perfect. People Perfect. don't start anything. They don't start a company. They don't start yeah. a new product because they the stop themselves. Yeah. They, they stop themselves. Oh, yeah. But it might not work out. Yeah, I know. It might not work out. You may want to just stay in bed. Just pull the covers over your head. Don't get up because things might not work out. So that's that's the problem that is going on in the industry. Reason I reached out to you a few weeks ago is I'm a Newhouse alumni nerd and I read all the news and I saw that Newhouse announced a startup garage. How is, how is the startup garage? First, what is it? And then... How is it helping lower the barriers to entrepreneurship? Okay, so first the name. Why did we go with Startup Garage? Well, it's a sort of a cliche. It's a classic, beautiful American cliche uh, and, and metaphor is you start the business in a garage. And the, and the 
reason that the garage is such a great symbol is you're not starting with wealth. You're starting with what you have, what's available. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's Apple was started in a garage and it was Hewlett Packard for the old people who understand what HP is. Uh, but even Google was started in a garage. Here's a little story for you. Most people don't know is Google wanted to be in a garage because it was so cliche. They thought, oh, let's go look for a garage. And they rented uh, the garage of the mom who's the, uh, her two daughters, one is the president of YouTube now. And the other one started 23andMe. So there was entrepreneurship in the household, but they rented just the garage so they could start Google. So that's the reason we went with the garage name is these are young, big thinking, but being scrappy and starting small and building and going fast as you can. You don't begin with venture money. You begin with build the thing and do the impossible. And you do the impossible um, and it's thrilling and it becomes addicting in this really powerful, good way because you go, wow, we can't do that. Well, yeah, but how are we going to? Instead of, oh, all right, so let's all do something else. So the Startup Garage is, we are at Newhouse, so we have talented media students and a lot of them, when they figure out what they want to do, will somehow see that technology and some of these startups that are now growing up are changing the media industry. The media industry is about to change again and again and again. The, the constant is this is going to keep on changing. It's not, oh, we did streaming, checkbox, or we can do this for the next 50 years. No. Okay, streaming will happen, and then it's going to be Twitch-like, which is the audience is the show. Like, mm -hmm. what? what's going on here? Uh, and then it's going to be something else and something else and something else. So building that mindset uh, is best done by uh, practice. So we're going to be bringing in early stage, innovative, somewhat a little crazy media and media tech companies to house themselves at the Newhouse School to be working with students. So they're not going to like close their shop and move here because some of them are coming from far away. I'll give you an example without naming names. One's in New Zealand, and they have come up with a secret way to sync audio around live stream. Okay, that's geeky and techie and stuff. Yeah, but that's now in our world. Sorry, we're new house. We know the rest of the story. They don't necessarily do, which gives them freedom to think about it broadly and wildly, which is exciting, but it misses but how do you do that with production values and having somebody sitting next to you going, well, why don't you do it this way? Because the audio quality is way better. Oh, because we didn't know. Because they're not in our world. So that's the kind of opportunities that we're going to be bringing is to say, hey, New Zealander, do you want a New York office? Yes, it's upstate New York. <laughs> but but we New do York have, office with a discount. New York office at a wildly discounted <laughs> price. But you're also working with media students that are right here. Many of them from LA, New York, or wanting to go there. You get your foothold here in the United States. Some of them are going to be US. Some of them are not. And uh, the advantage of being here is, in some cases, the co-location, this being here. The other thing we're going to do in the, in the garage is make it a virtual space. So 
you don't need to be here. You already have three offices in the media areas. You have one in London, a little one in New York and one in LA, and you're doing some new uh, sensational backgrounder creator for uh, movie making. Okay, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and where do you get that talent? And sometimes you have to teach that talent. Well, we're already in the learning new talent kind of stuff, right? That's our, that was me cleaning up because I curse a lot, by the way. So I'm keeping your podcast. You know, okay, we can go explicit, but oh, okay. I'm sure you have people at Newhouse who might not like Oh that. my God, I, I curse a lot. But the, uh, and I have it with you. So see, I'm capable of not cursing. Uh, tell, tell everyone. But anyway, the, um, the idea that you might be able to, through the center, learn how to work with these kinds of startups uh, as a student, and then we will vet those students and vet those startups and put them together for better matches. So that it isn't a, oh, but you didn't tell me what to do. Okay, they're a startup with five people. They're not going to tell you what to do. You're going to be telling them what to do. Oh, this is a startup with lots of funding. You should get paid. But you're going to have less responsibility in that. But they're going to really want you to work a lot. Mm -hmm. And like, well, what do you mean a lot? Okay, if you want like a job where you go home at five, go somewhere else. These guys work into the night because they're up against mammoth companies. They're disrupting industries that nobody wants them to disrupt. You don't do that as a nine to five operation. You know, this is a mission, uh, those kinds of things. So we do a little bit of the co-op stuff. And then the third one is, and this is interesting for both the campus, but also the community up here is, um, there are certain things that are in place, some technologies. I'm gonna throw out 5G. We talked about smart cities. What does that mean for media? And, you know, well, we could, yeah, okay, could, 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 and could. How about we build it here? How about we build a test bed here? And we have Verizon working with Microsoft and its smart cities people, because they're dweebing out, man, dweebing, 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 with our media people saying, so what would that look like for a sort of a, uh, think of it as a frictionless commerce environment yep. where I'm on my, I don't know what it's going to look so like. Let's try stuff. Let's build test beds here. Yeah. I don't know if you realize that you're talking to the right guy. Cause I work at a, at a 5g, smaller 5g company here in I, Syracuse. I'd forgotten that, but yeah. So there you go. So let's and talk about it. So yeah, it's, it's, in, it's incredible. People, people see all the commercials on Verizon and I love what you're saying that taking those higher level acidic technologies and just making it real with the different yeah, if you of give, creative. If, yeah, so if you give these technologies without talking about what the technology is and does and just say, hey, it can do this, it could do this, it could do this, what would you do with it? Mm -hmm. That's a fascinating question instead of, oh, so my phone will be faster? Of course your phone will be faster. Every time you buy a phone, it's faster. Mm -hmm. Why is that the big selling point? Well, because that's what we know how to say and we think that'll motivate people. I look at it as it's edge computing. It's like I have like fabulous supercomputing capability right down here. It isn't off in the cloud. It's on the edge. Yeah. And what can that mean? Well, think about you talk to our media people here. You talk to a TRFer and they're going like I always like asking uh, the the television, radio, and film kids, what's the largest file you've ever uploaded? 
like the largest? And they're like, why is this is a stupid question? And because when other people hear the number, they are blown away. I'm like, no, like what was like you uploaded it, you transferred it to somebody. How big was it? I think the largest, well, one of the largest was like 52 gig, I think. 52 gig. Unbelievable. That is nuts. Most normal people have no idea. I said, so with edge capability, you'd be able to move those around really quickly. This is not like me downloading all of Netflix. That's consumer belief and use. The idea of me having to transfer a file to my post-production person and we're on deadline and it's going to take a while because it's 52 gig. Gone. 5G. Gone. Gone. The The way I've it's so funny because that's when I have to explain it. That's the example I use is video. Because I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a specific one. You ready? Yes. Yeah, let's a Startup hear. I'm talking to in Germany that is working in the mobile industry, saying how can we make the video and gaming experience in the car better? We're going to our autonomous vehicles, right? So autonomous vehicles. And they had 5G, which they have in Europe more than we have here. It's not really good, but it's there. And then, uh, and then you say, I am watching more entertainment while in the vehicle. Well, what entertainment am I watching? I'm watching entertainment that is made for a static square on my wall that now is in my phone. Okay, not bad, whatever. But why doesn't it take into, uh, into consideration the the G-forces that are affecting you while you're driving around in your car. Yeah. Now, that better be edge computed because it's happening not in real time that sounds like you know a stream, a real-time stream. No, this is computing in real time that you, GPS says, we're gonna be making a 26 degree turn to the right and I'm in the back seat watching a game that suddenly takes into effect that G-force and makes it feel more real. Huh. Here's the other advantage. You don't get sick. That's a huge 50, thing. 50% of yeah. media consumers in cars generally, because cars move around a lot more than trains and planes, they're straight line, um, get sick because the G-forces on your body don't align with the thing that you're reading or looking at. Yeah. This makes it align. That's incredible. So uh, my, my example was much Let's, more boring. I'm a, I'm a skier. So there you go. I always tell people if, if I was shooting some video on my Canon and I had a 5G enabled laptop, then you, you take that, you plug it in at the top of the mountain if there's a 5G radio near you. And then just like that, you can ship it off to an editor. And by the time you ski down, Maybe that's a little ambitious, but they could have something. Oh, no, totally. Would be. That's totally it. Yeah. And those are, to me, those are more, uh, more common uses of it. What I'm giving, what I want to do is say, what are the uncommon uses yeah. of it that, you know, will this company be the big next success? Maybe. Who cares? To me, it's going to be something like this. And some other person, maybe it's going to be the kid who's watching it and says, hey, mom. Why doesn't it do this? Yeah. That's that's the idea because they're the consumer going, well, why? Why doesn't it know that I'm, you know, want to eat and it just shows me an opportunity to take a break in the show so I can go eat 
Yeah. Or something. I don't know. All kinds of things well, are possible. Sort of like it's sort of like Uber. Everyone thinks it's a ride sharing service, which it is, but it's really it's more of a it's a 4G company at the heart of it that That's took all the yeah. connectivity and it just said because at this point it's not cheaper than any taxi that you would have. It just removes the uncertainty of where the car is and where you are and and how fast you're gonna get to your destination. So if you take I, that to 5G, it's just right. Everything's so, gonna be Uber. So th- here is one of the ones that I think Uber and Airbnb did. You know, you were told by your parents, don't get in strangers' cars. You were told by your parents, <laughs> don't sleep at somebody else's house if you don't know who they are. And we're doing it all the time. Yeah. Why is that? Because they have created an interface that builds trust. That's really what they did. Yep. And, the, and an example of that trust is you're looking on your phone and those little ants are moving around and you're like, oh my God, the car says it's going to be in five minutes and you're going, and it's a black key. And then you go, oh, according to the little ant here, it's coming around the corner and you look up and you go, and there it is. Your yep. trust has just gone off the charts. This interface, again, if you enhance that with 5G, I can get even more accurate, right? Um, your interface is now showing me a version of reality that's not reality. And I'm starting to say, oh, this is actually better than reality. I'm looking at the Kia, I'm seeing who the driver is. And I look in the window, I'll say, what's your name? And they say, because most people make the mistake and say, are you Derek? Yeah, that's a great way to check. Yeah, yeah, creepy guy says, yes, my name is Derek. (laughs) Get in my car, I'm taking you, you know, and they'll never find the body. But the, <laughs> but the idea is you should say instead, what's your name? Right. And then Derek would say, well, Derek, and are you, I'm Sean. Okay, get in. Yeah. Good. Right. We don't do it to check right. Most people do it wrong. Like, are you Derek? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's kind of a little throwback to the PR department. That reminds me. I think it was the first class of ethics. Professor Meath came in and he started, so good. He was picking out kids in the class with watches and I was one of them. And he asked me, do you know what time it is? And I, I said, yeah, it's three, three 35 or something, whatever time it was then. And he just cut me off and he says, no, I didn't ask you what time it is. I asked you, do you know the time? And it's, it's sort of that, that ethics thing where you don't say yes. Yeah. Just (laughs) a small little new house memory. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are our games that we play in, in, <laughs> in your mind, uh, expressed in a classroom. This, yeah. this is what's behind those hallowed walls. Yeah. yeah. Um, metaverse. I want to, I want to pry into that with you. What I was going to ask you more broadly, what type of media do you think is going to shape the, the future of communications? And I feel like in that last back and forth we had, we talked a lot about the transition from physical experience into a lot of synthetic experiences is the word you used. Right. Explain what that, what metaverse means. Cause a lot of people still aren't totally familiar. Uh, metaverse would be think of all the stuff we've seen and heard about in the VR world. Let me go on the record here first. I'm not a big believer in VR. And the reason is, is I think reality is way better than virtual reality. I think there are certain aspects and elements that are, that are really exciting. Uh, I, had a, um, I had BuzzFeed uh, speaker one time. This is a few years ago. 
And somebody asked, Are, is BuzzFeed ever going to get into VR? And he goes, oh, wow, that's great. And I'm watching him get all worked up. And I'm thinking, man, what is he going for? And he says, how many of you guys are doing VR stuff? And it's like new house. People are putting their hands up. Yeah, yeah. I'm like really into it. And he goes, how many have looked at a VR movie? Who's seen a VR full length movie? No hands. He goes, no, we're not doing VR. Because the market isn't pulling for it. The capability is all there. So metaverse is what you're asking about. Metaverse is taking the best of, hopefully, of virtualness, like what we're doing. We're crossing time and space and using a, a digital version of me talking to you. And, and it works, right? You also have the advantage on like my family to hit mute on me. So, uh, so the, the idea that you have certain advantages in that replication of reality, but there are things that in reality we still need, food, comfort, touch, all these things are so, so important. And in fact, metaverse is saying, how do we mesh those together? So I'll give you a metaverse kind of scenario. So in the metaverse, I might have an avatar. Maybe not, we'll see how it all plays out, but let's just say it's a version of me. It looks a little like me, a better version of me, much more like what we all picture of ourselves in our dreams. Like when you create yourself. I never dream days. as a yeah. bald guy, okay? Just so everybody knows. I got hair that made the Kennedys envious. That's what I had when I was a kid, but that's all gone. So in my dreams, I'm not thinking of myself or seeing myself as bald. And that's kind of what we do with an avatar. Has some problems, but you get it, it's aspirational. So I pick my clothes for my avatar. The metaverse version is, do you want those shipped to your house? Real clothes. The idea of taking things that are in this digital world into a real world and then back and forth. So the ideas of mixing up, and I'd say the closest version to this that currently exists is in WeChat in China. People get up and they log in. They don't even ever log out. So they're on WeChat. And it isn't just texting. It's a, I call it a pervasive media environment. I can buy things on it. I can um, reach out to new friends. I can, it's this environment that is shaping and shifting, but always offering more and new things. Is it visual? Like the metaverse that we picture is visual? No, it's a digital life that attaches to my real life. And that is much a, be, a much better way of thinking of the metaverse than the visual of, oh, I'll be walking in a place and it'll look like Times Square, but I'm not there. I don't know. I'm a New Yorker. I want to be in real Times Square. Thank you very much. You know, so a virtual version of that, that's like Vegas. You know, it's laughable, but I get it. It might have a purpose. And I'd say mixing audio, video, I'm a real big believer in uh, augmented reality, um, especially through audio. I think that is one that I think is being underappreciated. I may be wrong, but it's, I just picture that as the place where it goes. And a metaverse is a meshing of yeah. all of these online capabilities, digital capabilities, where we are living our, more of a digital life, but it is our real life. So when you say AR, 
with audio, what, what comes to mind with that? Um, so when Apple came out with the wireless buds, I thought that was a joke. And then I started seeing them like two or three years later, more and more people were using them. And once they have the bud in their ear, that's different than like I have with a wire. Um, not just because I can walk around, but actually it can do different things. It can measure blood pressure. It can uh, take my temperature really easily. There's a whole bunch of things that can happen with what's been called hearables. Uh, and that, and I have a pair of glasses from Bose and in the temple, it's somewhat whispering in my ear. The advantage here is you don't see the earbuds. Yeah. It's telling me that's a really good sushi place. And I tell you, hey, let's go to the sushi place. I hear it's really good. <laughs> Why did I hear it? Because literally I just heard it because it yeah. knows we're here. Uh, the GPS uh, lat long says, I'm looking at, at the sushi place and that sushi place is terrific because I just checked Yelp and whatever, whatever. And yeah, totally go there. And then we go in and you've augmented my knowledge of this sushi place, but you've, if you do multiply that by all the time everywhere, I think it's less invasive because it's a whisper and it actually feels more human. Like if you were a emperor, you'd have people They'd whisper stuff in your ears like, no, don't eat at that sushi place. Yeah. Eat at this one. Okay, we're going to eat at this sushi place. Oh, the emperor is so smart. Yeah, because I got people. You know, so it's the same kind of thing. I got people, only I've got lots of people and computing and searching and folksonomy and all kinds of other things that are, that are feeding into my knowledge base as I walk through life. Yeah. And then it gets better. Um, because then it gets more personalized to me. So it's my version of life, which is what we're all really living. Let's just be honest. Sure. Media innovation has had kind of a, it's a weird time to get into this because the social dilemma made a huge splash when it came out on Netflix and I feel like everyone in this space, it's a lot of, you have to qualify everything because everyone's suspicious that your innovations are just gonna pull the attention of people from other things um, and be the virtual slot machine. So, and I don't mean this to be a tough question or opinion to a corner, but do you think things like the Newhouse Startup Garage have a responsibility to, um, to counteract that virtual slot machine that we live in on Facebook and- Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm gonna tell you that every time a new technology comes out, there is the misuse of it, but there's also the fear. Um, I just saw one recently that um, uh, one of the Greek philosophers, I can't remember which one, was against writing because it will minimize our ability to remember. If you write things down, yeah. you don't have memory and memory is what makes us human. And it was uh, when film came about and there were the early cameras uh, scientists, scientists came out and said, especially women shouldn't watch films because it messes with time and space. And it may make you think that you're looking at something that's real and in this place and time when it was filmed at another time and it changes like a flashback. 
pretty silly sounding, isn't it? Yeah. And they all say, okay, so the telephone, there is telephone fraud. There are people who have used every technology for bad things. That's because on our planet, sadly, but reality, and in many ways, it makes us better. There are bad people doing bad things. That will continue. How do we handle it after we recognize it is what makes us also human. So how do we uh, say, okay, Facebook, you're going too far with your understanding who I am and what I want. And uh, so the one I give my students, so you have your mobile, excuse me, your mobile device tracks you, it has to. In fact, they shouldn't have called it a phone because it's not used as a phone hardly at all. They call it a phone because that's kind of safe and mm -hmm. relaxed. And I don't mean it in a nefarious way. It's that's what you do. You name the thing that's, you know, we call it that. It's nobody's making me call it that. You call it that because you're comfortable with calling it that. And we do that all through the ages. We call it a car because that was closer to a carriage. Even though the industry calls themselves an automobile, nobody calls it an automobile. Yeah. My father used to call it all. We're going to get into yeah. the automobile. Yeah. Okay, Dad. Whatever. It's a car. You know. And we call it things that are near and dear to us as a sign that we feel close to it. And the technology is very close to us. So if I were to say, you want to stop Facebook from doing it, turn your phone off, nobody would do it. Right. Because the advantage of being surveilled and tracked leads to all the things that you're using the internet for. So you can't just say, oh, that all should go away. That's all bad, because it isn't. It actually delivers a lot of high value to you. But what are the rules that then need to be made after we figure out what is the new game? So the game happens, and then you have to make the rules. And that's where we are. Uh, I think what's going to happen with these big, big companies is they're going to get disrupted by new little companies. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm old enough to know when Microsoft ruled the world and it was like, never take on Microsoft. Yeah. yeah and for a while, that was probably a good, a good strategy. How's that working out now? <laughs> you know, are they a monstrous company? Yeah. But they also have learned their lesson. I, you know, and I look at some of the companies as, you know, I'm just going to frankly say it, uh, some of them are douchey and, and horrible. And they were from the start. The investors invested in them because they believed, oh, you got to be a jerk to succeed. You know what? That's a self-perpetuating philosophy. You put the money into the jerk, the jerk succeeds, and therefore you proved that jerks succeed. I'm saying break that. Quit putting money into jerks and we'll then make better companies. And the better companies will succeed and we'll have a better world. So that's kind of my, my optimist and I see a lot of it, of really good companies that are out there and, and really good investors and well-meaning and, and insightful and um, well-meaning people that are doing really good things. And I, I, I want to encourage that. I want to shine the light on that. Sure. That's what we're going to do with the Startup Garage as much as possible. So to your question about are we there to solve that? Nope. Society actually has to solve it. Hmm to decide that I'm going to do without something. Yeah. It's what society often has as a grapple point. And we choose 
well, how can we mitigate it? Or how can we, you know, how can we put some control points on it? I'm going to pull a book out of the, if it's behind me here on the shelf, I can't find it. Thought I had it. Oh, here it is. Here's a, here's a, a book name that's pretty scary. That's been sitting on my Amazon reading list for. I know why. I can't tell you how long. It's, it's a humongous book. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but some of the stuff that I'm looking at in that, and some of my other media media innovation uh, classes and and uh, study, uh, one that I'll tell you to go to because you probably haven't heard about it is go to media NXT medianext.org. So media-nxt.org and every year we put out and it'll be out, it'll be out end of this month early october is the latest version we put out a report of here's usually three to five uh trends of technology and culture that are going to affect we believe are going to affect media written by students because i can't get faculty to write them am i on the record now yeah i am <laughs> they won't write it because it requires thinking big, possibly being wrong. I don't like being wrong, but you know, it's the future. So your odds are increased, you're gonna be wrong. Yeah. And some of the smartest, most successful people in shaping the future factor in the likelihood of being wrong. So guess what? Try a lot of stuff. Then yeah. the one that hits is the one everyone looks at and they're not looking at the ones you didn't do. So. That's what we're doing with Media Next is looking at how do we shape the future of media and we make students do the called shots. And then in each issue, we name somewhere around, I think the smallest number was 30, the biggest number was 36 startups that are in those areas and others. And some of those have already been acquired by some big companies. Some of them are in the growth path, like where they're like, wow, that was a thing and we named it in 2018 or something like that, which is kind of cool. So that's what we do. Uh, so looking out and what's happening, lots happening. The pace of change is quickening and the difference in speed and capability, there's a true statement here, human brains are not capable of fathoming right now. It has gotten mm -hmm. so much faster. That's the reason with 5G. Oh, it's so much faster. What does that mean? I mean, it's a lot faster. Like, uh, how many times faster is it than the than the current? You would know this. It's about. I mean, it range. It depends. Mid band versus real millimeter wave. Give, but I yeah. mean, it can be six. You know, 60, 30 times faster. Just insane right. amounts. Which and four G is really so fast. Is your phone is your phone pretty fast? Yeah. yeah. So what would thirty times faster be? I I don't know. No, yeah. you don't. You don't know. That's the actual correct answer. It's, you don't know. Right. And, and then what would I do with it? I don't know. Correct answer again. Good job. You're on it. Yeah. We don't know. Is it going to be there? Yeah. Are there going to be fantastic stuff done? Yeah. What will it be? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. But it could be this. It could be that. So we look at could. Could be this. Could be this. Could be this. This could hold it back. Or wow, this thing could set it forward. In 2017, I think we did one on quantum computing. And most people don't even know what that is yet. Yep. And I keep throwing it out there now because I'm seeing years. enough signs that it's going to be a thing. It's really close. Probably in another two years. Yep. And if you add 5G and quantum computing. Edge computing. Yep. 
And did you see there was some recent development? Somebody's come up with a way to shrink because quantum computing are really large. They're like room size. Um, and they look like something out of a new age store, you know, like crystals. They look like 2001. Like, what kinda, is this? Like yeah, it almost looks piece. like it yeah. belongs in a in an old movie, you know, right. like here's a computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what is it's, that? It's, and they've yeah. they've gone done some things to shrink it. Hmm. Once you do that, that's it. everything. Forget well, it now. Even even little stuff. Like I started seeing with all the chip shortages that they're gonna start. They think they're going to be able to make computer chips out of plastic synthetic materials. And just that, being able to put a plastic chip in everything for cheap. So is here's going the one totally... I'm looking at. Who's recycling the old chips to make them better? Yeah. Because to me, that's the one, you know, people say, oh, we should protect the earth. Totally agree. But you do know your phone is like one of the most destructive things that has ever been created yeah. to destroy the earth. Rare earths. Um, no, that, yeah, no. It is. It's like yeah. destroying it to make it. And then when you throw it away, you've upped the game and made it even worse. So where do you think that thing went? Yeah, that's not going in a... Your, your shattered screen isn't really yeah. getting a second right. life out of it. It's not getting a second life. There's companies that are now looking at that and saying, how do we do that? I love those. Mm -hmm. And then how do I pull those chips out of there and make some super chip out of those underlying components like that? Not just because it's recycling. Yeah, I yeah. love that as a human being. But I just love what a, what a classic problem into solution. You know, so this thing that people are throwing away, zero value, suddenly goes tons of value. Yeah. Think about what Airbnb did in, a, in, a, uh, in their way is the empty room in my house suddenly has value. The, you know, my, my cost... Not only it had no value, it had more, it had cost. I have a lovely, you know, vacation home that I'm looking to have. Let's say I don't, but let's just say I did. I'm able to put that to use and let other people enjoy this thing that I so enjoy, which is a kind of a big way of looking at it. But I think that's the motivator is, isn't it good that we make use of the stuff we have? Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of an underlying thing. Yeah. Sure. So anyway, look at Media so, Next if you want to see some media, media, Next. In, media innovation. We got a new sure. set coming out. And um, uh, can I take one here and tell you what's going to be in it? Yeah. So let me. So my final question always is I ask my guests 15 years down the line, what's a media marketing innovation that's going to totally blow shit up? What's that for you? Hot wow. on the heels of this wow. Media wow. Next. You know, it's hard for me because I work in so many of these areas. I'm, I'm not an eyes rolled into the back of my head believer in any of them. I'm, I kind of, because of the nature of me looking at, let's just say at any given time, maybe 15 different technologies and different trends, maybe another 15 different trends. So, okay. So you're, so ask the question again so that I can sort of sort through while you're asking that what one I will go with so 15 years down the line what's what are we going to look back at and say wow if only I knew 15 years ago to invest all my money in this technology I would be a media mogul today what is that technology 
oh, if it's if you just want me to pick a technology, that one's almost easy. And I don't think it'll take 15 years. I think it'll take closer to five, but then in the between five and 10 to 15, it will be transformative is uh, artificial intelligence um, and, and in all of its forms. So uh, artificial intelligence where it's then attached to mechanisms and mechatronics and we could call these robots, but they'll be robotic-like uh, things everywhere. Just like, why do we even spend time doing this stuff? It's equivalent to like when the washing machine was created. Think about how much time, especially women, uh, but uh, people had, had to spend cleaning clothes. Guess what? They didn't, first off. So clothes weren't so clean very often. And then, the, the, you know, then once they had this thing, they were free to have time. That's a human, that's a human moment of, of triumph. When you have time, that's the most precious thing. And that's when we got into, so what am I going to do with this time? I'm going to read more, or I'm going to learn something, or I'm going to be entertained, or I'm going to, that's when our culture really grows. That's where art entertainment and all those other things take place when you open up time. I think this, this AI stuff is going to open up enormous amount of time. I think it's going to change how often we go to work, quote unquote, air quotes there, um, easily three days a week. Let's flip it. Like the weekend is two days. What? Who came up with that? Why don't we have the weekend be long and and the week be short totally will happen with AI. Uh, it will scare the crap out of us on the way. Uh, but then we go through what's called the, uh, what was the, uh, the uncanny valley is the name. And once you get past and you get to the other side of the uncanny valley, it's laughable that we, we were terrified of this. Why were we afraid of this thing that is so helpful in our lives? Will there be bad uses of it? Sure. And then spent, we'll have more time to spend on figuring out that, how do we uh, make that more useful? I'm gonna give you a trend line though, that's less about the tech. It's a mash of technologies. And I think it's, it, it, 15 years is what I focused on that you said. I wanna pick something that's way down that we will look back and say, everything is now like this. Um, so here's my, here's my called shot. Uh, I've been saying this one for a while, but more and more, the idea of advertising um, has a purpose that has been misappropriated, I think, for a long time. Like, I'm going to interrupt you while you're doing the thing you want to do to tell you about this other thing that I want you to know about. And I'm going to play with your emotion. I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to, we love them when we laugh, but then we're like, oh yeah, that's right. I wasn't watching this. I was watching mm -hmm. this other show or I was reading this thing, or I was informing myself. I think when those get realigned, where it is teaching me the thing I want when I want, then it's no longer interruptive advertising or interruptive messaging. It is helpful messaging. The one I look for is who can put customer service ahead of being a customer. And if I can flip it, and then add helpful and so now it's not about selling and persuasion, it's about helpful. And I think companies can do this more cost effectively now because of 
uh, because of a number of technologies, easy technologies, not even difficult ones. But now it's about mindset. And it's going to take a while before somebody does it. But once somebody does that, and I'm going to call it every company is a media company. So they have to think like a media company, like frequency, no dead air, caring about your audience, not just your customer. Once you do that, of course, you're going to provide service to that audience, not just to your customer. And you won't call it customer service. You'll just call it us. This is what we do. Contact us and we'll help you. Oh, but I don't buy your stuff. We don't care. I mean, we'd like you to. That'd be very nice. Thank you if you do. And if you don't, we still care about you because you're our audience. Doesn't that huh. sound great? Yeah. I, that's my I idealistic future of where advertising and brand positioning will totally. be because then they serve before getting paid. Right. And I think the end game of that is they'll then get paid more than ever before. Yeah. And the service will be terrific. There will be no, no, oh my God, what a great product, but oh, their customer service is Yeah, awesome. I mean. Like, why would you want that company? I don't know what triggered it. A couple months ago, I was putting together Ikea and I couldn't find the Allen wrench. And when you were explaining oh, that, yeah. I was just thinking about what you said about AirPods and having a virtual assistant tell you what's a good restaurant and i just thought you know ikea could do they have a music playlist for setting up the cabinet oh my and it's a great idea they tell you where so good and then it it says so right now you should be putting the drawers in if you're not just double tap on yeah. the earbuds will help you out yeah here's <laughs> like, here's the talking head feel bad because yep. you're a dumbass you didn't figure out you're supposed to have the wheels on for you know or yeah. all that stuff and it's a very polite scandinavian woman explaining it to you there it is totally. yeah awesome I think we're gonna see all kinds of stuff like that um i guess i would say i'm hopeful to see stuff like that right like think right. about in i'm gonna go away from product i'm gonna go into into the medical model like what i have to have all these things and answer a million questions before you take care of this pain that I have, why don't you just take care of the pain thing that I have? You know? Yeah. I think that's flipping the model. Like just do the service and figure all that other stuff out later. So it changes how transaction takes place. That's right. And then the robots are buying all the nonsense that we need in order to, the less, you know, uh, like I was telling somebody in this uh, student last night, actually, what if my washing machine just ordered my detergent? Hmm. Yeah. Go, well, what brand would it buy? My washing machine doesn't care about brand. Yeah. <laughs> it would look at the components. Cheaper. The, yeah. It would go with cheaper or, you know, oh, Sean and Lynn believe in the earth. So we're going to go with stuff that's less uh, harmful to the earth. And they might say, oh, and, you know, Sean tends to, you know, get sweaty clothes. So let's get this kind of... Way better than me picking a brand. Yeah. Way better. Like, let my washing machine please go buy the stuff. And it doesn't buy it. It just gets it. It orders it. It transacts it. 
and it's all there with Amazon, with the push to order, all the right. what you and were those saying are earlier. Push to order, but I've made the brand choice, and I'm getting the stuff I've always get. Yep. This changes that, and it's a machine to machine. One of my students came up with this years ago, so I got to give a call. This is out great. And he was like, "What about machine to machine marketing?" I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, you just tell me what oh, yeah. your components are, or I make the detergent for you." Yeah. You tell me what your we're the detergent customer. expert. You tell me what the customer wants and needs, and we, you know, how how often are they washing clothes? Okay, great. Oh, all their kids are grown. Yeah, okay, we got you. You know, yep. here, here's the unit. One thing. one dash of la- It's like you have a lavender scent, and you have a oh, clean so linen, you're and it's, it. you're on it. And it's a dash of this and two dashes of the yeah, other. So, totally. So this is mass customization down yeah. to one, and it's also not. I've eliminated all of the cost of what is now traditional marketing you're like just deliver better product and service just deliver better mm-hmm. product and service if you ask people how many of you want better product and service 100 percent. Mm-hmm. and whoever doesn't vote for that i would like them voted off the planet probably have served from out. brooklyn yep <laughs> get out <laughs> anyway that was hey, great been fun this has been awesome. This has been awesome. Is there anything before we sign off you want to leave the audience with any pieces of advice? Uh, yeah, and I will tell you, this is going to be in the next uh, meeting next report. We have made one change this year. Uh, usually we cover trends. And this time we had one piece that is prescriptive. And the prescription is media companies need to stop launching the one great big thing and launch what I call the innovation convoy, a crazy number of things, small ones, big ones, stupid ones, crazy in every way that you can imagine, obvious ones, insider ones nobody cares about, really high visibility ones, just launch, launch them all. Um, and in the, in the report, we talk about how the Navy used used convoys as a way to mitigate risk. That is the Hmm. problem as to why a media company is afraid of trying new things is because it's risky. Okay, the Navy figured it out. Go launch a convoy. Don't do a press release on every one of them. You know, maybe do the press release on the attention getting one over here that that distracts everybody from looking at the real ones you're doing. Do it under other names. Do it in the night. Do it for 15 weeks and then stop and seeing what did you learn and what you'll get is a really innovative culture you're going to get used to starting and stopping things and trying stuff and that's more what the future is going to be like in the media space um so that's it launch your your innovation convoy and if you want more on that it'll be on the media next that's incredible. and a perfect plug to tie it all up i am gonna plug something you know <laughs> That's awesome. Sean, this has been Thanks. this has been a total blast. I, I appreciate oh, you hopping. It's been a blast in. too. You're a terrific interviewer. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.